take me back to a South Tallahassee down across the bridge to my sweet sassafrasi. Welcome one and all to Backtracks Aerosmith Revisited. My name is Corey Morissette, joined, as always, by the effervescent, the lovely smelling, the sexiest man in podcasting, Scott Haskin. How you doing, Scott? If only the internet were scratch and sniff, Corey. I'm doing great. How are you? I tell you, man, I've had a week. Uh, and it's, what, uh, Tuesday? I've had yeah. a week, let me tell you. <laughs> but you know what I did do uh, in on Aerosmith news? I got my tickets to go see Sammy Hagar uh, on the Best of All Worlds Tour in Toronto, Ontario, next July. Uh, we got hotels picked up. We're going to spend the night at Niagara Falls. We're going to spend three nights in Toronto. We're going to you know bum around and wow. see the sights, go up on the CN Tower, take the kids for a little, uh, a fun little vacation. And then to cap it all off, July 30th, uh, we're heading... Uh, to the Budweiser stage right off of the uh, Great Lakes uh, to watch Sammy Hagar, Michael Anthony, Joe Satriani, and Jason Bonham bust out some Van Halen tunes. Probably some Zeppelin tunes and some other tunes in there, too. Sure, Sammy's going to do a few solo stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. And maybe some David Lee Roth? Oh, uh, yeah, we just heard uh, David Lee. You know, Sammy Hagar said he threw the invite out to uh, Mr. Roth and uh, Alex Van Halen if they wanted to join some shows. And David Lee Roth tonight said, let's do it which means absolutely nothing coming from the mouth of David Lee Roth, but he at least appears <laughs> open to it. Yeah, I think it's going to come down to, can they can they get along long enough to do a show, let alone multiple shows? And are you going to be lucky enough to be the one show they can do? Alex, I don't know about. I, I don't know that he's necessarily in a place where he'll be able to do it, but maybe. I'm hopeful. You know what? I, I think he's in a place where he doesn't want to. He's only that ever played be. music with his brother, and I just don't think he has the uh, the will or desire to uh, to to keep going, and that's fine. Like, uh, certainly can't blame him. Not at all. I wonder if he if he ever plays at home just for fun, you know, just as a drummer enjoying playing the instrument, yeah. or if he's just stopped altogether. I kind of wonder that about Joey Kramer too, since we're talking about Daniel yeah. Smith here tonight. Like, uh, he's not currently with the band. Uh, had a, a string of bad luck and some bad health too, unfortunately, but. Uh, I just saw uh, there was a barbershop in Boston, I think, posted a picture. Uh, Joey had come in for a, a shave and a haircut and was looking really good. Nice. So uh, here's hoping maybe 2024 uh, Joey can get back in the saddle, as it were, uh, and get back on tour with his brothers and uh, close out uh, this chapter of Aerosmith history right. Nice segue. Thank you, Ray. I, uh, I would like to see that. And no offense to, you know, the drummer taking his place, but uh, it just it feels weird to not have the original members when, when they're uh, around. Um, but maybe this delay will benefit the, the drummer as well. Here's open. I, I tell you, there's a lot of people that are kind of left in limbo from this tour. I was uh, waiting in line to see kiss uh, mm -hmm. in Saskatoon, which by the way, still a great show. Uh, I, I didn't catch them using tracks. No, they didn't sound as good as they did maybe 30, 40 years ago. I don't care. The show was fantastic. The spectacle was great. I actually took my daughter and my personal trainer <laughs> Because she had never been to a rock show. Her only oh. concert ever was uh, Elton John. Wow. So I'm like, well, it just so happens that the seat beside me hasn't been bought. So if you want to buy that, you can ride up with us and, and see a proper rock show. So she did. Had the time of her life. She only knew two Kiss songs, mm -hmm. and, but had an absolute blast. So to wow. me, that, that that's the power of, of live music. But as we're waiting in line, uh, you could overhear some conversations. And I heard one lady saying, I got over a thousand bucks tied up in Aerosmith tickets that are just sitting in limbo because Ticketmaster won't refund anybody yep. because they plan on, uh, you know, rebooking those dates in 2024. So she's like, that's when, when you're kind of living paycheck to paycheck, which a lot of us in Canada are nowadays, it, it's a lot of money to have tied up. 
Yeah, it really is. And, you know, I, a Ticketmaster has not been without their issues. It took me 76 emails to get my money back for Whitesnake canceling their concert. Wow, and that 76? was not being rebooked. Yes. I finally was able to get through to Ticketmaster because Whitesnake was actually opening, which I thought was very strange for their very final show to not be headlining. But my argument with them was that they said, well, the show is not canceled. Whitesnake is not on the bill. And I said, but I bought a ticket to see Whitesnake. They're not on the bill. So the show is canceled. It's been changed into another show, but the show I paid to see has been canceled. 76 emails. I finally got my money back. At least you got your money back. There's uh, people who uh, are not so fortunate. Yeah. Well, it wasn't without the work, I'll, I will say. Wow. But I have to say, I, I think it's great that you went and saw Kiss. It's really weird right now. So many of the bands that we have grew, grown up with or have just spent a good chunk of our lives listening to or, you know, they're coming to their end. Uh, it's it's sad. But at the same point, it's like, you know, they, what more do they owe us? Exactly. Uh, as I was waiting in line for uh, the next morning after Kiss, uh, Foreigner announced kind of a, a farewell trek uh, through Canada. That's going to be hitting Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan that I'm hoping after uh, shelling out for Sammy Hagar tickets, I'll be able to afford. So I wouldn't mind, even though I don't think there's any original members of Foreigner left playing with the band. I, Kelly Hansen's a great singer. I wouldn't mind going to hear some of those Foreigner classics. So. I think they're playing here in Vegas too. They might be doing a residency. I can't remember. I'll have to double check. But... About the Rolling Stones just announced a show in Las Vegas. You got to check that out. Oh, did they? Allegiant Stadium, yeah. Oh, God. That's a big place too. Uh, that would be interesting to see them. Have you ever seen the Stones? I've never seen the Stones. Oh, worth it. I saw them on the Bigger Bang Tour. Mm -hmm. uh, they they played Regina, Saskatchewan. First time ever played Regina, and they actually had to add a second show, which they rarely do. They, wow. Usually London, England, and Toronto, Ontario are the two places they normally do two shows. They did a second show in Regina, Saskatchewan. On wow. this tour, I think they're doing two shows in New York and two in L.A. Very interesting. And was that, did you see them with or without Charlie Watts? Well, without, because he's dead. Yeah, I wasn't sure what the time frame was for. Oh, I saw for... them with. So yes, I, I, I thought you meant on the current tour. Oh, well, no. No. <laughs> Bigger Bang Tour was 2008, I want to say. So uh, he, Charlie Watts was still there and still okay. amazing. Yeah. Yo, absolutely. Well, speaking of Aerosmith, um, we have to talk about Genesis because you guys had your side B of We Can't Dance on Ultimate Catalog Clash that you do with Kevin Brown. Mm -hmm. And that came out today as we're recording this. But I've got to ask you, Corey, the first song on side B is I Can't Dance, very well-known Genesis song, killer guitar riff. Wouldn't that be amazing in the hands of Joe Perry? Uh, Brad Whitford more, I would think, because... Mm. Uh, Joe Perry, I think, likes to be a little more improvisational mm -hmm. uh, in, in his stuff. He's written some killer riffs, obviously, Walk This Way, Draw the Line. Like, they're all amazing riffs, right? So, mm -hmm. sure, uh, I, I, I'm i kind of throwing a little more love to Brad. I know Brad gave an interview not that long ago where he was complaining. Everybody just kind of calls him the rhythm player in Aerosmith. And he says, that's not true. It's technically like two leads. And yeah. I've, I've been guilty of calling him a rhythm player on this show. And I got to apologize to Brad Whitford. It's two leads. Uh, two very different guitar styles that just mesh together, right? They're the peanut butter and jelly uh, of guitar. So um, Joe absolutely would be great, but Brad, I, I think would, uh, if you listen to a lot of Brad's solo stuff too, it actually reminds me a lot of, of Mike Rutherford. So that'd be a good fit too. Oh, there you go. 
Uh, yeah, and, and certainly, you know, Brad is a very talented guy. It's it's kind of like, though, I look at him the way I look at the bass. The bass is a bass guitar, but it's not just playing root notes. You hear all kinds of cool things coming out of the bass. I think they tend to bury Brad a little bit more in the mix to feature Joe, mm -hmm. which does not help him with his reputation. No, no, very good point. So uh, Brad Whitford, I, I read that interview, and I'm sorry if I ever called you just a rhythm player. Uh, you're certainly uh, much more than that. We actually have a great Brad Whitford lead performance on this week's Dice. Let's recap the songs we have on the Dice. We have Joni's Butterfly from Rockin' a Hard Place, Pandora's Box from Get Your Wings, Angel from Permanent Vacation, Last Child from Rocks, Love in an Elevator from uh, Pump, and Fallen Angels from Nine Lives. Uh, Scott Haskin, what are you hoping to land on here tonight? Oh, man. I, you know, I know a couple of these songs, and I've been wanting Love in an Elevator for a long time, so I'm going to pick Angel. <laughs> well, you know what? I really, really wanted to hear Angel, so I'm going to pick Love in an Elevator. Oh, there you go. We're recording this the day after my wife's birthday. We we're supposed to record on Monday, and I'm like, well, you know, it's my wife's birthday, and she's giving me, you know, the, the stink eye because I'm going to go hop on another podcast. So Scott was very nicely uh, willing to... Uh, rebook until Tuesday evening. So for my dear sweet wife who turned an age, I'm not going to say, cause that's uh, inappropriate. Uh, I'm going to request angel because uh, that was one of our wedding songs way you back only, in 2005. You only promote the, the girl, your wooings age. If you're Steven Tyler, that's right. And when, when she's over the age of 15, cause then it's, let's not get into that conversation, <laughs> but let's ask Steven <laughs> to get us rolling here. Toss of the And we come up with Fallen Angels from Nine Lives. All right, this is a, a Scott pick. Uh, I, I can't remember your reasoning why, why you wanted this one specifically. Do you remember? Well, I, I recall seeing the title and thinking, you know, a lot of bands have had that title, Fallen Angel, Fallen Angels, and uh, I've heard a lot of different versions of, of songs under that name. So I thought it'd be interesting to see what Aerosmith did with it. I tell you what, this is the uh, Steven Tyler, Joe Perry, Richie Supa uh, song. Okay. Uh, Richie's uh, only credit, I believe. No, he also uh, co-wrote Pink, which I know is a real favorite of yours. Uh, Nine can Lives we is roll a... again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nine Lives is a real hodgepodge, I, I tell you, of styles and, uh, geez, gosh, everything. Uh, so I'm really curious to hear what your take on this one's going to be. Th this is the album closer uh, from, from this album. Uh, song number uh, 13, uh, never released as a single. I think just Falling in Love, Hold My Soul, Pink, Full Circle, and Taste of India were the five uh, singles off here. So I don't know. I'm kind of looking forward to this one here. Well, I am half and half with this album. I've liked two songs and hated two songs. So uh, this this could fall anywhere. All right, Scott, if you're ready, without further ado, let's listen to a little Fallen Angels from 1997's Nine Lives. Okay, I know that. Uh, I don't. I don't know this song. I've never heard the song. Um, first off, I heard a little bit of a like a Beatlesque thing in there at the beginning. 
maybe a little bit Cirque du Soleil. I think I might be mixing up my songs. Um, but this, like this vocal melody, I know that it, that's from something else. Is it? I'm sure it is. It's it's like an Indian song or some something more in like the world music category. But that's uh, yeah, I've heard that before. Well, it's obviously very uh, India influenced, as were a lot of tracks on this record. Actually, the original album cover was very uh, India influenced, and they had to get rid of it because uh, they depicted a cat uh, doing a like a Harry Krishna pose or something, hmm. and uh, uh, it was very uh, considered uh, disrespectful. So they had to change the uh, the cover art to a cat uh, on one of those wheels getting knives thrown at it, which I guess is better. Maybe the PETA people weren't very happy about that one, but. <laughs> But uh, this also features, this album also features a song, Taste of India, which That's again right. is, yep. Have we done Taste of India? I know that uh, John I Matola, think I think we have. John Matola had that on his uh, dice, but I don't think we uh, have rolled it yet, so. Uh, we have not. Okay. All right, well, let's see if you uh, recognize any more of the song. Let's keep going. Already, it's got a little more backbone than the uh, Diane Warren uh, song we listened to a few weeks ago. We <laughs> all fall down. They get that nice, uh, like India-inspired refrain, and then the whole band kicks in, and, and it kind of lifts it up, uh, kind of nicely. Kind of appropriate for an album closer, I would think. Yeah, and I really like that transition. I thought it was really smooth. Um, I like the you know the scratchy sounding guitars in in there that uh, just kind of add a rhythm to it. Um, yeah, so far so so good. Except for you know, obviously Stephen wanted to let you know he was there the whole time. That was a and, lot yeah. of Stephen Tyler there that I thought was a little bit unnecessary. He didn't even take a breath. It no. was just we, we're a minute twelve in, and he's made a noise for the entire minute twelve. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Corey, do you know if Tom Hamilton is known for playing a fretless bass? Because that sounds like a fretless bass. He has been known to play a fretless bass, yes. I think that's what we're hearing on this. It sounds great. It sounds amazing. And uh, I wanted to throw out uh, a compliment to Steven's lyrics. Uh, they're not about fucking. Uh, <laughs> there's a little more substance to them. There's a candle burning in the world tonight for another child who vanished out of sight. And a heart is broken, another, another prayer in vain. There's a million tears that fill a sea of pain. That's just a lovely little uh, little verse. It is. And I kind of feel like he wrote something like, 
I stole this girl from her daddy's house and somebody else came and said, okay, let's rewrite that. <laughs> well, thank goodness they did. Yes. <laughs> she could kick off a song with, I stole a girl from her daddy's house. My goodness. Say that for the next uh, Scott Haskins solo record. <laughs> All right. What'd you think of the chorus? I liked it. Um, the backups are a little weird because they're extremely panned hard left and then hard right, which I, I think was an odd choice. But I love the the sound of it. Um, Steven sounds great on this song. Drums sound great. It's a really good production. Yeah, Except for that harmony. Yeah. Like you said, panned hard left and hard right. And it's just, it, it it's obviously Steven, but it does, they're, they, I don't know. They put some sort of effect on it where it doesn't sound like Steven. It's way too high pitched and almost yeah. sped up even like. Yeah, it 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 definitely sounds like it, it doesn't fit, but it, it's not so much. It takes me out of the song, but it does make me go, wait a minute. What was that? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I really love that escalation uh, on the vocal and you don't know why he did it in the first verse too, mm -hmm. but it, it just adds a little something, a little push that uh, I always really appreciated in this song. Yeah, I agree. I think he's, I think he's really into this song. I, I feel a real uh, genuine emotion in this. Uh, and, and I could tell the difference with him because we've had those songs where we're like, he just walked up and sang the words and went home. And this definitely feels like something he's very much into, a very passionate delivery. Uh, this is a, you know, so far, this has been a really good song. I mean, I'm glad I picked it.
what what did you think of that bridge? That I, I never was a big fan of the "Can you hear me?" Uh, refrain. He sings the hell out of it, obviously. But yeah, um, I, boy, he's really present in it. But I don't know. I I think they could have written something better there. Yeah, we, lyrically it, it's going so well, and we just take mm-hmm. time to say, "Can you hear me?" Twice. Somewhere out there, there's a shining light, and I got to be with you tonight. Yeah, yeah. That's like third grade lyrics, you know. Yeah. Um, I I think what they did on those backing vocals, I think they took all the low end out of his voice and just pushed a little bit of phaser into it, mm. and uh, and, and it's really almost it's not screechy, but it's just like all high end. It, I, I think they're almost kind of going for an ethereal type quality. I don't know if it quite hits that though. Yeah. It would work for this for the song, the subject matter, and all that would be great. I just mm-hmm. I'm not 100 percent convinced it, it works all the way. Yeah, I think it, it, if they were going for that, they could have done that trick with a little bit more reverb and made it more ethereal. It, it's really dry. Yeah, you, you got to have more cowbell. Got to have more cowbell. All right, so we got a, a, a shorter uh, guitar solo there, kind of a country twang to it, which Joe Perry's been known to do uh, from time to time. What'd you think? It was a nice slide solo. Um, it, it added a little bit of a Southern flavor, though, I think that I don't, I like the solo, but I'm not sure it really fit the rest of the song because we started out with like this Indian motif and now we've gone to like a blues rock and now we're getting a little bit of Southern rock. I'm not sure this all really works together, but the individual parts I like. I tell you what, it's very indicative of the album, actually, where you have like hard rock songs, you have stuff like Pink that doesn't really fit anything, and, and then you got like these India-influenced uh, type songs, and then you have stereotypical Aerosmith ballads on here, too. Like, this album is really just kind of a, a hodgepodge of Aerosmith's whole career. Yeah, it seems like it. With little George Harrison thrown in, too. <laughs> So we still got three minutes to go. So I thought I'd break in here and just uh, point out, we don't have to play the Price is Right game here tonight because they never played this live. And it seems like on this tour, this would be maybe a a great uh, main set closer, right? Before you get into, you know, toys and walk this way and all that for the encore. But maybe it's just too hard to sing. That very well could be. I was. It's funny that you say that because I was just thinking, boy, this would be a, such a great live song. I can see everybody with their lighters in the air. I don't know if they still do that, but you know, I guess down. they just they use your cell, cell phone. Phones, yeah. yeah. Um, thank you for saving on butane. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, that's a shame that they never played it live. I could see if he dialed it back a little bit, but you know, you know how he is live. He's probably going to push it even harder. Yeah. So I could see this being maybe too much of a drain on him because he's absolutely everywhere on the song. But I want to say that part coming out of the um, out of the solo before the song really starts up again, that little bridge that they do there. I don't know how I feel about that. What did you think of that? Um, yeah, yeah. In downtown paradise, <laughs> where, yeah, uh, I was okay with it. it. It's kind of predictable, maybe, uh, yeah. but I like I like the vocal performance on it. And you do need something there to kind of get from the guitar solo to the chorus again. I, I appreciate that they put that that little bit in there. So I, I'm cool with it. Yeah, it does need a bridge. I just felt like coming out of the solo, it, it felt like we were going into country territory, but with oh, a yeah. rock sound, yeah. you know? So so we've had Indian, we've had rock, we've had country, we've had Southern rock. Um, this is a really weird song. Yeah, kind of all over the place. It like is. the album. All right. Uh, get ready because uh, there's quite a bit of filler at the end here. Okay. hearing something else coming up there. This is a, a nice throwback to the beginning. So at least it, it ties in a little bit and makes the beginning make a little bit more sense because it really just it disappeared. But I'm hearing like a little bit of finger drumming or something. Are you hearing that? Well, I was picking up on that. I was trying to stay awake because <laughs> uh, there's still two minutes left to go in this song, Scott. Like you stopped it just before the two minute left to go mark. One thing about this band, we have seen in the past that they don't know when to end a song. <laughs> an, an ending like this really only works on the end of side B. Is he like hand boning it there? It sounds like he's. Yeah. I, oh man, there's so much going on that it's almost like they just said, all right, what else can we do? Okay. That's great. What else can we do? Okay. Steven, what else? Yeah. Steven, make a noise. Steven, just clap. Just do something. <laughs> yeah. There's not enough elements. We have 
all these tracks we can put on a song now. We got hundreds and hundreds of tracks. Let's fill them. Yeah, and then let's add a cello, and then let's add some some keyboard strings. And this, this is where I think they're trying to to cross a little bit into that Beatlesque territory because they did some Indian kind of stuff towards mm-hmm. the end of their run, and um, always with the strings. So I I don't know. I just it just stopped. The, the song should have been over a minute ago. Yeah, and we're still going. We got we're a minute going. a minute and eleven left to go. Jeez. Scott, have you ever seen the movie uh, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story? I have. Love that movie so much. But there, there's that moment where he's kind of going through his Beatles phase or his Brian Wilson phase almost where he brought in all those musicians to make this just cacophony of noise. <laughs> he had like didgeridoos and he had like, I don't know, monkeys playing tambourines and stuff. <laughs> that That whole section kind of reminded me of Dewey Cox. Oh, very much so. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure there was a Darabuka in there. Um, obviously we've got some wind instruments, some strings, um, but, but uh, to what purpose? Yeah. Uh, I, I was kind of looking at, at the instruments the band is credited with on the album. And I think they're all in this song. Uh, Steven Tyler, lead vocals, keyboards, hand organ, piano, harmonica, hammer, dulcimer, and percussion. Joe Perry, guitar, slide guitar, dulcimer, backing vocals, Brad Whitford, guitar and acoustic guitar, Tom Hamilton, a bass guitar and a Chapman stick. And then Joy Kramer, just drums. So the drummer's not doing the percussion. That's right. He just drums. <laughs> hand organ. What is a is that is that, what is that? Uh, a barrel organ, also called roller organ or crank organ, is a French mechanical musical instrument consisting of bellows oh. and one or more ranks of pipes housed in a case, usually of wood. So that's where you would be like out on the street cranking the organ and you would have what did they call the monkey? Did the monkey have a name? Yeah, it was, it was, there was something specific that they used to call those monkeys. I can't think of what it is now, but um, that's what I, so that's what I'm picturing. Like um, somebody just out there on the corner trying to make a few bucks. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I didn't hear that in this, but you know, I, when you've got that many things going on and they're not panned so that you can hear every instrument, they're just going to blend together into sounds. And that might be the intention. You might just yeah. use that as a harmony or as a layer to thicken a sound uh, and not necessarily want it to stand on its own organ grinder. That's what I was trying to think of. Um, yeah. I don't, I, it, I just feel like if you bought this record, and you're listening to it even for the first time. This is the point, like two minutes ago, is where you're like, 
is this song still playing? And you've walked out of the room and gotten an iced tea or something. And you come back and you're like, oh, it's still on. Yeah. Because like, literally really? nobody cares. Yeah. Really? We're still doing this? Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's just, I mean, if, if it was, if it went somewhere, if it was interesting, if it had instruments trading off solos, if there was some point to it, okay. But other than just recalling the Indian style intro, I, I just don't see the, the need for the last two, two and a half minutes of the song at all. Yeah. So the question now becomes, Scott, did that ruin the song enough for you that uh, we won't put it in consideration for the mixtape? So this was not a single. Uh, mm-hmm. So if it's going to go on the mixtape, it's going to go on side A, the deep cuts. Currently, we have on there Heart Stun Time, Road Runner, No More, No More, Girl Keeps Coming Apart, Bone to Bone, The Farm, Simaria, Rats in the Cellar, and Combination. The question is, Scott, and we'll start with you on this one. Fallen Angels, do you uh, think it deserves a spot on the mixtape? Well, fortunately, there's only so much time that you can put on a tape, and I think this exceeds the time limit that <laughs> you're allowed. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't think it stands. It's there's some really good parts of the song that I, I really enjoyed, but I don't think it stands up to anything that's on that tape right now. Yeah, uh, I really like this song, and I really like it as the album closer. Uh, I kind of got a soft spot for Nine Lives, even though uh, the misses are are real misses, mm-hmm. uh, but the hits are real hits for me. And this is one of them. Um, but I, I kind of like the farm as the, kind of the representative of nine lives currently that we have on there, as opposed to this one. Uh, yeah. yeah. The ending is way too long. It gets way too weird. Like you said, nothing's really separated. Everything's mashed together, which if I, I would maybe kind of prefer if things were separated so I can kind of appreciate every different element of the song. Right. Uh, not the case here. Uh, so really a cool tune. A lot of good stuff on it. I can hear Kevin Brown swearing at me right now. saying, like, oh, it's dog shit. But... <laughs> He's British and he doesn't matter. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, he doesn't matter because he likes Tony Bakes. No. <laughs> <laughs> With that yellow shirt picture that he posted. I love that. What a snappy dresser, huh? That Tony Bakes. Oh, I've never seen a rock and roll musician look more like a banana in my life. <laughs> uh, well, on that note, uh, I, I think we're both in agreement. Fallen Angels, uh, thumbs up on the song. Yeah. Just not good enough to be on the mixtape. Yeah, I, I'm kind of neutral on it, to be honest. I think there's some good elements there, but I think there's enough that takes away from the song that it's not, it's it's going to get a neutral mark for me. Okay. I don't, I don't hate it, but I didn't, I could have loved the song, but it just, it just went too far. Fair enough. So Scott Haskin, you're taking that off the mixtape here, or off the uh, dice here tonight. That was one of um, your picks. So now you got to replace it with something. I do. What's she in the mood for? I think uh, on the theme of what I just said, I think we're going to go back to uh, Night in the Ruts, Night at the Ruts. And I'm going to pick Chiquita because, you know, Chiquita Banana, Tony Banks, Yellow Shirt. It just just fits the episode. (laughs) There you have it. Back to Night in the Ruts, which I maintain is an underrated album. Uh, We're going to find out uh, when we roll Chiquita, which now takes its place on the dice. Oh, man. That's going to be fun. So uh, we've got some real deep cuts on there right now. We've got a few hits, too. So we got Joni's Butterfly, Pandora's Box, and Chiquita uh, sandwiched with Angel, Last Child, and Love in an Elevator. So there's a really uh, pretty good mix, I think, for next week. Good. Well, I'm looking forward to recording another show. I always look forward to hanging out with you, Corey, and uh, see what this brings. But guys, you got to check out, seriously, you got to check out Ultimate Catalog Clash if you haven't already. What are you doing with your life? Get on it already. Come on. <laughs> Not that many episodes. The, the other songs in the Deep Dive Podcast Network, Corey? 
No. Okay. All right. There's go a ahead. bunch of other shows. Go check them out. <laughs> no, nah, go ahead. All right. Well, this is your course. time to shine, my friend. Well, I, I do enjoy my moments in the spotlight, even if it's talking about other shows. Uh, you know, Corey, of course, does the Backtracks theme music show with John Mariano. Corey does the And the Podcast Will Rock show with Mark Kamire, slowly winding down phase one, which may be the only phase or it may be the beginning of multiple phases. Who knows? But as I mentioned, check out Ultimate Catalog Clash with Corey and Kevin. Kevin also has the Tom Petty Project and Seaside Pod Review with his buddy Randy. I have Uriah Heap, the Magician's Podcast. Nate and John do the Deep Purple Podcast, but the Simple Man does Skinnered Reconsidered. He also came out with a new t-shirt that actually looks pretty cool. The uh, Terry T-Bone Mathley does T-Bone's Prime Cuts on the other side, who has been teasing new episodes for a while. We have Riot Sabbath Bloody Podcast, Paul, Joe, and David at In the Lap of the Pods, Andy and Matt at Hawk Binge, Eric and Jonathan at Maiden A to Z, Daniel and Josh at The Diary of the Mad Men, The Ultimate Aussie Podcast, Ben and Sam at Universally Ben at Sam. <laughs> I'm getting old, Corey. Ben and Sam at Universally Speaking, the Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast. George and Hattie at the Judas Priest cast. Clay and Riot, North by South podcast. Much like Corey and I, it is the difference between America and Canada. <laughs> I think we represent that well. We have Greg and Jonathan at So Far So Pod. So what? Quinn at N Volume for All. Sav Nick, Stephen Mark at the Rock Roulette podcast, another wheel-based show. And uh, buckle up for some Chaz here. We got Chaz and Greg at Regarding Lulu, Chaz and Shats at Rush Rash, and Chaz and Wolfie at Regarding Roger, Roger Waters, that is. We have Sean Geek and Fast Fred, our friends outside of the Deep Purple podcast, Eric at Booked on Rock, Ken Knapsack at Pop Rock and Radio, and of course, the flagship of all Deep Dive Music podcasts, Pod of Thunder. Well, it's a good thing you're good looking because you butchered that here tonight. I got I really you. did. That's okay. I, haven't, I don't I, think I've I've said anything verbally for like three days, so my voice sounds really weak today. No worries. I'll, I'll let that slide. I called a football game and hosted two TV shows as well as podcasting here tonight, so I have no excuse. Are Maybe you, I'm overworked. Wait, you said you called it. Are you the, like you're narrating what's going on? Are you the color commentator? Play-by-play -play commentator. Wow. Yeah. How did you learn how to do that? That's a skill. Well, you just kind of pick it up. I know the sport really well. I went to a lot of coaching clinics. I coached football for 10 years. Uh, so w when you know the sport and you watch enough of it, you, you kind of pick it up pretty easy. That Okay, so here's the question I have. I know this is not Aerosmith related because I don't think they play football a lot. When you're calling a game, isn't it nearly impossible to just keep track of everyone's names just, just by their number? And like that seems like a lot of effort right there. Well, you, you got a, a lineup usually with you, but uh, certain players make the majority of the plays, so you get to know the numbers and the names pretty darn quick. That makes sense. I yeah, mean, obviously the home team you know, but it's the visitors that become the yeah, challenge. Yeah, and uh, football is an easier sport to call as opposed to like hockey. Hockey is very hard because the sport is very fast and there's constant line changes. And so you're constantly like watching. And, and you'll notice if you really pay attention, watch a hockey broadcast, they fuck up a lot. Like oh, yeah. they'll, they'll call the wrong name or something because the – it's just going to happen with a, a sport that fast. That's probably the hardest sport I would think to call. That baseball is hard because there's so many long stretches where nothing happens. Yeah, it's filling the time, right? That yeah. becomes the challenge. But with football, there's so many people to pay attention to. I mean, yeah, you're looking at the quarterback who's ever trying to rush the quarterback and the receiver, but you still are responsible for knowing what everybody's doing. 
That's crazy. Well, congratulations. That's a, that's a, that's a talent, my friend. I am a talented individual. I'm glad you yes, finally you noticed that after 90, however many of these uh, episodes, but. Well, I haven't been here from episode one, but yes. But you listened from episode one. Damn it. You should I did. Know. I did. Absolutely. I've listened to, I mean, I, all of your, and the podcast will rocks, all of the backtracks, theme music, all of the backtracks, Aerosmith revisited and all of the ultimate catalog class shows that you've done wow. when you've been a guest on other shows, like you were recently on Rush Rash. Mm-hmm. I listened to that. Uh, I don't know if I've heard every single thing you've ever done, but uh, damn it, I'm close. You're like my biggest fan. Look at that. I are you, I call me fat. Are, are you are you stalking me? Digitally. I'm, I'm cool with it if you are. It's too cold up there to go actually stalk you. Oh, man, you ain't kidding. That's a topic for another day. How about we wrap this one up on behalf of the Sexiest Man in Podcasting, Scott K. Haskin. My name is Corey Marset. Thank you very much for listening. And as always, Let's give the final word to Scott Haskin. Thank you guys for listening.